We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Okay, so I want to share with you this morning, um, coming back to what God's spoken to us about, spirit of adventure and harvest. You know, um, we, we develop... Uh, sort of little in phrases. I suppose we're like a, a big family and families tend to do this. And one of ours is when it's raining, pray for rain. Uh, it sounds a bit odd, but it's basically uh, Jesus only ever did what he saw the father doing. And we're always looking for what God's doing and wanting to, to get behind it. That's where the phrase comes from. And there's a scripture uh, that I want to draw your attention to is John 4, 35. Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he says, you know, uh, you say it's four months until the harvest, but I say the fields are right ready now for harvest. He says, uh, um, lift up your eyes, look and see. Obviously talking about a different sort of sightedness, that sightedness which helps us to see what, what God is, 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 is saying and seeing. Right now, I think there's a time like that. Um, we talk about the men of Issachar who understood the times and the seasons and knew what to do. And we, we really want to be like that. Just uh, a few days ago, uh, Amanda sent me uh, some information. In fact, it had come from Peter Gregg of 24-7, and he'd drawn together some uh, stats. Let me just share some of these with you. Um, it stats about what's happening. Most of you, many of you would have seen the, what they called the National Blessing Song. And uh, within a week of it being released, it had been watched by 2.1 million times, 2.1 million people. It's equivalent to 200 new people every single minute of the hour in the week that had been released. A BBC journalist asked about the striking unity, the harmony, not just literally, metaphorically, but between such diverse groups, people coming together uh, to do this, touching a, quite a deep nerve in our divided nation. The stories just keep coming to us. Um, people who don't consider themselves religious actually being strangely moved by something like this. Now, the fact of a song going viral, that's, that's, that's not what we're really praying for, but it's, it's something, it's an indicator. Let's go on. Tear funders commissioned some research. The survey indicates 3 million new people have turned to prayer in the UK since lockdown began. The British uh, bookstore, Eden, reports a 55% increase in the sale of Bibles in April. Again, it's just, it's just something. It's not exactly what we're looking for, but it's, it's an indicator. It's something. Then in the same survey, they looked at church attendance. Obviously, that's by remote church attendance. I find it interesting people talk about churches reopening. Uh, well, we've never closed down. We've just operated differently. And uh, obviously they're talking about worship places 
uh, reopening and people being able to come together. But record numbers have begun attending church online. Generally, it's expected about five to seven percent of the nation attend some Sunday, Sunday service. But they're reckoning from this survey that 24% of the British population, almost one in four, are actually tuning into something. Is that what we're looking for? No, no. God has not called us to attend services, but it's another indicator of something that's happening. And it's an indicator that we want to take notice of, times that God is actually stirring things. Here's another interesting thing. Um, this is about young people. And this, this was a headline in one of the big, um, in the ma major British paper. British public turned to prayer as one in four tune into religious services online. But the subtitle is Young People Lead Resurgence in Faith. It's an interesting demographic. The charge to the church, post-Christian, 18 to 34 year olds well again it's not just what we, we we're looking for in terms of revival and returning to the lordship of christ but it is something and then you know amongst us it is there's some interesting things happening more of us are turning to prayer when we come to pray before a sunday meeting there's maybe 30 40 people joining governmental prayer now probably every, every Tuesday at 7.15, about 30 people. Of course, first Tuesday prayer, it's more like 150. And then this week, uh, when we decided to join in uh, for the Muslim special holy night and to, to tell our friends, our Muslim friends, that that's what we were doing. There was 36 of us that joined in to, to pray uh, sessions right through the night. And, Again, we're looking to see what God is saying and doing in that. And then some interesting things coming out of that. Our brother Ram had a very interesting through-the-night conversation with his Muslim friends where he was able to share the good news of Jesus. There's an increased level of expectation. These are just some stats. But I've asked Amanda to just take a, a couple of minutes to share with us things that are happening in our area. Thank you, Amanda. Um, so, yeah, it's just a little bit about where we are and some stuff that's happened really. So, a bit of history. Um, so, I lived in this area for 28 years, but it was only until we opened the coffee shop seven years ago that the community around and the people really started to matter. Uh, and a shop kind of puts you in the area. And I suddenly got to meet people who lived locally where I did and God started to soften my heart for them. And I started with talking to strangers, which I quite often do. And then suddenly they become friends and it's got a bit blurry at times. Uh, customers dropping in for cups of tea to our house, not to the shop. <laughs> and it's led to other things as well. Um, but in terms of adventure, I was just remembering the time that Pete and I went to pray for Mr. Palmer, who had the shoe shop as he was closing his business. 
And I'd also had this idea to um, put on some sort of meal for the community and the shop customers, but I hadn't told anyone about that. And when we finished praying, he said to me, uh, do you want to cook for anyone? If you've got a kitchen, would you, would you like to cook for people? And I was just so amazed that that thought that I'd had in my heart that I hadn't told anyone. God had used this guy that we'd gone to talk to. And many of you were involved in that exciting thing. There's about 60 of us who helped put on that meal. And I kind of was thinking about that in these days too. Um, that God can do this stuff. Um, so come lockdown, we suddenly had no coffee shop, no place to gather and no contact with the people that we cared about. Um, and it was amazing. So Jane Tui and I, we were closing the shop and all the people that we wanted to see walked by the door that morning. And we were, you know, we don't have a database of their names and addresses. So we were like, oh, quick, can I take your number? Um, and it was amazing. Um, Another story, it's first week of lockdown and Sharon uh, was not local. She was embarking in a street that she doesn't normally go to. And she saw one of our most challenging uh, customers who's often abusive and disruptive, but she was sitting this day crying and begging on the floor and people were avoiding her and laughing at her. And this was beginning of lockdown. And Sharon was right there and she, she was able to buy her something to eat that day. Um, so that was amazing. But when people start to feel like family, um, you kind of need to do something about that. So about 15 of our staff volunteers from the shop wanted to join in because the people mattered suddenly. So it was, first of all, it was advice, checking in on people, and it's led to buying bunches of flowers and cards and cakes and letters, delivering hot meals to people, chances to pray, invitations to join with us at church. Um, Jimmy goes for walks to chat to some of the customers at safe distance. And one story, um, a couple of years ago, Sarah and I, um, we put on some refreshments after a funeral for a lady that just called in. And I thought at the time, I think there's got to be more than this. But this lady never comes into the shop as a customer. She's never come in for a drink. And yet, here we are in lockdown and we're now delivering meals to her twice a week. And she's just so thrilled to have that connection and cards and little touches of kindness to her as well and she said um i can't wait till this is over you know i want to have a party i want to hug you um so there's been so many ways and uh, another guy um was overwhelmed with people phoning him i think in a good way um he said i didn't know i was that important when suddenly people started to show care and instead of him coming to us in the shop, we were going to him now in lockdown, which is very much more significant. He just had a birthday last week and said it was his best birthday ever with the number of cards and visitors and just standing outside and things like that. So we've lost our coffee and we've lost our gathering, connecting place, and the people are separated 
but we've had, I think, more opportunity than ever to make deeper friendships for the future. And I'm excited because I know that God sees what's in our hearts and he's not restricted by lockdown. And he's got so many ideas of what we can do. Thank you, Amanda. Great. One of our greatest joys, certainly one of my greatest joys, has been somehow being used of God to help people come to know him. And I look back and I remember one of the earliest um, drug addicts that we were involved with many years ago. I don't know whether he, whether he ever came to know Jesus. He ended up dying in prison. But, you know, I was thinking about this. I thought that doesn't sound like a great joy. Then I remembered his mother and father. Now, the father had uh, an amazing background. He seemed quite a gentle, both Irish uh, background. And he'd actually been involved with the, with the gangs in Chicago and uh, seemed to know all the famous gangsters uh, from that time. And yet, to see him come as a, a meek and humble person and come to know Jesus was a, a great joy. His wife, boy, she was something... She was a bit special. She was a bit of a, what I think we would call a spitfire. I mean, she was tough. But equally, the joy of seeing her just coming to know Jesus. You see, the fact of the matter is, uh, we have good news. We, we have the good news, uh, the knowledge that Jesus loves us. Um, and, and more than that, it, the gospel, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1.4 that the gospel is, is not just words but it is in power as well. There's a power in it. There's a conviction in it. And of course, our, our gospel is about, yes, we need absolutely to be free from the barrier of sin so that we can come into that relationship. But the gospel is, is about um, love and joy and peace and hope and future. I mean, in a time, even in a time like this, yes, we have the joy of leading people to Jesus. I mean, the joy of seeing our own children come to Jesus, no greater joy than that. But we've got a message which is, which is worth sharing. We have a role. We're commissioned by God himself. Part of our purpose is the great commission to go and make disciples. And because of his love, because we've experienced his love, because that's not just something we talk about or hear about, but it's something we've experienced and we experience. And that's why the whole issue of intimacy with God is so important. Because we have that, we can actually communicate his love. What a privilege to be equipped. This is, this is not some hard sell trying to trying to persuade people to, to buy something that they don't really want. This is about carrying something of good news that is, as people's eyes are open, they, they can embrace something which is the, fulfills the deepest longing of their heart. And that's our purpose. And by the way, with the commissioning comes the credentials. We have the authority, the right to do it. Of course, we know that people only come to Jesus through revelation. 
very interesting that the thief on the cross who said to Jesus, uh, let me be with you. Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. That was revelation. Uh, he was talking about when you come into your kingdom. He's talking to somebody who's hanging on a cross like he is. He had revelation right there that this was not just some ordinary man, a robber like himself. Revelation is what we have. Revelation, that ability to know a truth in such a way that we just know it. It's the gift of God. Jesus was asking his disciples one day, he said, who do people say I am? And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, said, you're, you're the Messiah. And his answer to that, Jesus' answer to that was, you know what? Uh, you didn't deduce this. It's God the Father has revealed that to you. We're talking about revelation. We're talking about the miracle of salvation, the revelation that we just know that he is alive. And Peter saw this and it was, it was revealed to him. So this is not about argument. It's not about persuasion. It's about God showing his love. Amanda was just talking about uh, our friend Stephen uh, and uh, talking about that it was the best birthday he'd ever had. And as they were telling me about that, I thought, yes, of course it was, because Jesus went to his birthday. This was something very different. In the form of we are the members of his body, carrying his life, carrying his love, carrying the message of salvation. So, yes, there's opportunity to share and debate and to, to explain. But there also is a need to turn aside. You see, Nicodemus had this problem. And the rich young ruler had the problem that there were things that they were holding that were more important. It was position. It was money. But that's not the answer. There's something that still none of those things ever fulfill the longing in the heart. This is a great message that we've got and a responsibility that we've got. You see, the book of Romans tells us this, how they're going to know unless they're told. It goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, Jesus rightfully deserves everyone to come to him because he died for the whole world. And we have the privilege and the responsibility. What we're saying is, it seems like there's a time. It seems like there's a, there's a change in the atmosphere. Those stats that I was sharing with you earlier on, the experiences that uh, Amanda was just telling us about, and there's so many more that we could talk about. Time doesn't permit. Let me ask you another question. Just stop for a moment and think, how, do you, how were you introduced what started your journey to come to know Jesus? If we went round, and we were, can't do it, but if we went round, the overwhelming proportion would be, of the answers would be, well, it was a friend, or it was a family member. It was someone that was close to me. And I want to raise with you again the fact that there's something about that opportunity of closeness. We have a promise. Promise that Andrew, of course, first goes and fetches his own brother, Philip. We have the promise to the jailer uh, that you and your whole family will be saved. We have the reality within our own contact sphere. 
was just thinking um, when Fatima was sharing her testimony, out of her coming to know Jesus, her husband comes, her sister, her brother, and the work continues in her family. There's something about that, that, that close contact and the opportunity that we have because we already have some connection there. It means, of course, in the warning that goes, comes on in, in further on in Philippians 3, uh, beware that we're not, our minds are not fixed on earthly things. Of course, God's also equips us with spiritual gifts. You see, uh, we saw Jesus operate in that gift of revelation. When he said, yes, I, to Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under the fig tree and in you there's, there's, there's no deceit, there's no guile. We also see that, of course, only the Spirit of God brings somebody to God, but he does use us. And it is seemingly okay sometimes to push a bit. Do you remember the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, at the wedding in Cana in Galilee? And... Uh, she kind of, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And he says, well, it's not, not my time. But she keeps on. And then she somehow just sort of almost bypasses and says, well, servants do whatever he says. There's a pushing. We read in, in the Bible that the woman, because of her persistence, the story that Jesus gave, that it, there is time when it's okay to be faithful, to be persistent, not to be dissuaded by the first um, unfavourable response. How do we come? Well, of course, everybody has to come the same way. We come by saying we recognise that God raised Jesus from the dead and because he was prepared to suffer death for our sake, because he was willing to do that, God made him Lord over all. So that the starting place is always coming to the Lordship of Jesus, the recognition that he made him Lord and requires each of us to surrender to his Lordship. There's a standing at times for righteousness. There's a becoming, arrows of the Lord's deliverance. The Bible tells us that it's a very wise thing to win people for him. But here's the good news. He promises never to turn somebody away. My brothers and sisters, what a time. What an opportunity. A change in the atmosphere. Spirit of venture, harvest. Let's ask him for his prompting. Let's let him lead us. I've told you the story before of when I walked for the first time around Soho uh, with one of the people from Team Challenge that had come over here back in the, in the early days. And we... I couldn't understand because my understanding up to that point, we just tried to approach everybody. We went past one after another after another. And I questioned him afterwards and he said, I was just waiting to see who Jesus directed me to. And we have that opportunity to be led of the Spirit of God. Let us say to him, Lord, here am I, send me. Let's seize this opportunity. Let's recognise that the fields are white unto harvest. Let's ask him to fill our hearts with compassion. Let's ask the question, who could you be a connection point to? And I've included some questions for you in order to 
follow up on this and actually to be the very thing that we always talk about, doers, not just hearers of the word. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.